to Channel KRT, the podcast where we take a look at the best and worst of obscure media. I'm Kit Quinn, and I don't need botch to give me nightmares when I live in 2023. I'm Tyler Green Anonymous Botch. <laughs> don't you mean Tyler Green Sleeves? Oh, shit. <laughs> that would have been the better one. Yeah. <laughs> You're fired. No kidding. <laughs> Yay. <sighs> Pixar ripped this off. A <laughs> I mean, hundred per fucking cent. I was amazed Lucasfilm didn't sue for the Ratatouille name. <laughs> <laughs> We're buying out Lucasfilm for that War Star and that Jones of Indiana and a Willow series that we'll eventually remove from Disney Plus because tax write off. Boo. I hate mm-hmm. living in the streaming era. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I just want cable back. <laughs> And joining us in on the nightmare that is 2023, but also for this sweet dream of a movie, welcome back to the show, Ryan. O'Reilly, that is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Ryan O'Reilly, the all-purpose yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Our second Ryan episode in a row, by the way. Oh my god, that's right. That's true. Let's see, we've had Walterson, Hip, and now O'Reilly on. (laughs) And no auto parts, unfortunately. Alright, we are no longer accepting Ryan applications for our show. If you (laughs) are a fourth Ryan, we will automatically kill you on site. (laughs) I was gonna invite Ryan Reynolds... Um, he was so ah, excited damn to do this, but how dare you, Randy? Now I have to kill him. No, we have oh, to get man. him back. All right, come on, Ryan Reynolds. We're going. We're going on a hunting trip. Well, I guess that's revenge for the Psycho Berg episode of Two Guys and a Girl. So <laughs> we should invite Ryan Gosling on and have him sing "I'm Just Ken." <laughs> Yay! Anyway, joining us, Richard Rucolo. Never mind. <laughs> Also, I need to rectify a joke from a much earlier episode because I forgot to make it. Never tell me the odd parents, fairly odd parents Ah. from the Channel Chasers episode. (laughs) (laughs) We were literally talking about Star Wars in that episode, and I just did not take the opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. All right. So today we're talking about a Lucasfilm property for probably the first time ever. And we're talking about one of those rare occurrences where they tried something that wasn't related to space or the 50s or nostalgia. I mean, it is black and white. So (laughs) I guess that's as close as we'll get, really. So Once upon a time, Lucasfilm did more than those three properties, kids. (laughs) Twice upon a time, you mean? Yes, twice upon a time. (laughs) (laughs) Or thrice upon a time. I don't know. (laughs) So, Ryan, you were the one who brought this movie to our attention. Uh, What is your relationship with it? Okay, so once upon a time, or twice upon a time, on the Cartoon Network, they aired this film once. Exactly once. Wow. Upon a time. Yes. (laughs) They should have done it twice. The joke was right there. Exactly. (laughs) And uh, I remember distinctly catching this commercial was on the cartoon theater featurettes that they had. And uh, I thought it looked like the weirdest thing I had ever seen. So I absolutely had to catch it off. In the adventure of a nighttime, two friends are trying to save the world from a creepy gloom that will turn everyone's dreams into nightmares. Cartoon Network's Cartoon Theater presents Twice Upon a Time. 
Premiering Saturday at 8 on Cartoon Network. And I remember being like kind of weirdly delighted by it. And then it's just one of those things because it has all a lot of these like haunting sequences and very strange sequences. So it kind of like sticks in your mind. And I completely forgot about it until this um, film got like a DVD release oh, in nice. 2015. Oh, wow. And by the Warner Archive, because it's kind of a weird thing where Lucasfilm helped front the bill and they put their name on it. But this company called the Lad Company really, truly owned it. And because of some weird pre-Disney shenanigans, Warner Brothers actually nabbed the copyright for this movie. So even though it's a Lucasfilm production... Uh, it's um, a bit like the Howard the Duck film, where Universal actually owns the rights to the Howard the Duck film, and Warner Brothers actually owns the rights to this film. So, you're telling me this film is in Zaslav's hands? Indeed, it is in Zaslav's hands. We gotta get it the fuck out of there. Yes, please. Zaslavnimus bunch. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Zaslav. Yeah, I forget it. I think it's also similar to how Lucasfilm is technically responsible for Labyrinth, but TriStar mainly owns the rights for it. Yeah, it is yeah. TriStar. I like <laughs> barely see it, but also, yeah, it's everywhere at the same time. I believe it's Sony. Sony, yeah. It's the one that released Muppets Take Manhattan, because it always comes back to Muppets here. <laughs> oh, okay, because I'd also noticed I always fucking see that horse with the Paramount Lee. Not Paramount, with the shit. Columbia, that's her name. Yep, Columbia Pictures. Yeah, yeah, I always see those two, like, right next to each other in trailers Mm -hmm. from, like, the 90s. (laughs) Like, because Sony owns God knows how many film companies by now, (laughs) and video game companies, and monopolies are fun, kids. Uh, So, I then discovered when this film came out on DVD, which I I had no idea that this film had two versions and yeah it does yeah the version that i saw on cartoon network was the clean cut and there is a dirty cut (laughs) that the dvd also has but what's fascinating about the dirty cut is that behind the scenes what happened and the behind the scenes of this film is insane i like if whatever film you're picturing now in your head, if you've never seen it, it doesn't look anything like that. Uh, this is basically the easiest way to describe it. It's, it's, it's South Park before South Park. Yeah. It, it looks like South Park, but if it was like made in like 1970s Eastern Europe. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is basically South Park meets Mary Blair meets Terry Gilliam meets Jim Henson. And I fucking love it. Hell it is. Yeah. yeah. Meets worker and parasite. (laughs) (laughs) I'd also say that this is very Lot Reiner inspired because this was reminding me a lot of her films with the very silhouette style. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you might recognize the style. The style is called Lumage. And Lumage is this process where they have this giant light table that stands up on a side and they put these translucent pieces of paper. So it's instead of construction paper, like the South Park is trying to replicate, it's uh, these translucent pieces of paper. They put on this light glass 
and uh, they make these uh, cutout animation like that. Uh, this uh, the director of this, John Cordy, he started this on Sesame Street. So if you look at early 70s and 80s Sesame Streets, you'll actually see these Lumage sequences that are in there. So this dates back from Sesame Street. And uh, he was so fascinated with this idea because it kind of looks like a stained glass painting come to life in some ways. And he wanted to make a full movie out of it. And he got the lad company and he also got the uh, help with Mr. George Lucas, uh, who said he was interested after watching a demo reel and they made it. Uh, and then they got, they couldn't afford any voice actors. So they got all these improvisational actors to come in and do the script. But the script was just a bunch of footnotes. It was kind of like how they did the original Lauren Bouchard shows, like home movies. So they would just hand them, this is what happens in the scene, and like act it out a bunch of times. And the actor for Bosch, whose name was, I think, like uh, Marshall Efron. Yeah, Marshall Efron. Yeah, he went off the cuff a lot. And he swore in many of these sequences. And uh, and Bill Kateri, who is the producer above Cordy, uh, found these sequences really funny. Uh, and this was back in the day where the G rating actually existed and was like real. And they knew that at the time, animation was seen sort of as kitty and if you got a g rating you would just be seen as disney this is of course when disney was on the outs and was not as popular anymore so kateri really wanted to search and get a pg rating so he went above cordy and he reinserted the dirty bosch lines where basically he's saying like well let me just say tough shit For you jerk-offs who think you can hang around here on your fat asses, I have one last thing to say. Go suck an egg. Yeah. 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 You told us specifically to watch the dirty cut, which is what we are talking about. And, you know, even though I was fully prepared for this to be dirty, I was still, like, extremely caught off guard by Synonymous Bosch calling the rushers jerk-offs. Yeah. <laughs> Thankfully the dirty cut was on um archive.org and it it caught me so off guard. It was so fucking funny just hearing all these. It actually confused me for a minute. I thought this was going to be like super raunchy and then it, we'd, you'd get to other scenes in the movie with everyone else and and it would be pretty clean and mm-hmm. I'd be like, "What are you trying to do? You're trying to do something, but I can't quite put my finger on it. I'm intrigued." And let me just say, Marshall Efron Fucking sells it as synonymous botch. Oh, yeah, it's so funny. He's fantastic. (laughs) And of course, he has so many voice acting, you know, credits under his belt. He was a sloppy Smurf in the Smurfs. Uh, He's uh, 13 Ghosts of Scooby Doo, Transformers, Time Squad, actually. He was Earl of Sandwich. That's right. Oh, my God. And he was also in THX 1138, which was actually the original Lucasfilm space Mm -hmm. film. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Sadly passed away in uh, 2019. Rest in oh, peace. Yeah, rest in peace. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. speaking of which, we also have Lorenzo Music in this fucking movie. Mm-hmm. That's right. Garfield himself. Yeah. I will be leaving all my Garfield jokes at the door. 
Not me. I love Garfield. Actually, funny enough, not only Lorenzo Music, but the woman who plays Liz in the Garfield series, um, Julie Payne. She plays yes. Flora. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is a Garfield movie. This is what the Garfield <laughs> movie should have been. So in 1993, she played a fucking cage dancer in the Smash Club episode of Full House. <laughs> oh, wow. Wait, yes. Full House had a cage dancer? Yeah. Uh, yeah, apparently. <laughs> yeah, you could watch Strippers Friday nights on ABC. Wow. <laughs> what would Dan Tanner? Oh, my God. He'd probably have a heart attack. Yeah. She was also in some television film called Full House, playing a character named Mrs. Knopf, which, coincidence? I think not. Hmm. <laughs> These houses are so full, damn. Yeah. And in addition, there's also a random bomb to drop that I've learned. Judith Cahan, who was actually a writer for quite a few sitcoms and plays the fairy godmother in this, she was also in, of all things, the Ferris Bueller TV series. Oh my god. <laughs> there was a tang on a minute. Let me look that up. I need to know if it was a cartoon or not. It's not. It was a live action Oh, I hang on. I gotta see this single kid. Wasn't that the one with uh, Jennifer Aniston? Yes, it's with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, God. I'm trying to remember, too. I know they tried to make Uncle Buck a sitcom without John Candy. And I'm trying to remember if that actually ever aired or not. Twice. I think that they also did it again in the 2010s. There is only one show that we can all agree on based off of an 80s property that was properly adapted to television, and we all know what that is. What, Muppet Babies? Back to the Future? That too. (laughs) Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. You should know this, Ryan. Oh, of course. (laughs) You know, I always forget. That's right. 1989. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that Wayne Zielinski wasn't played by Peter Scolari. Agreed. Insane. Amazing. (laughs) This movie is also written by Bill Cotery, who directed a movie called Dear Vietnam, Letters Home. Yes. He also directed Ed 1996, but we won't hold that against him. (laughs) Yeah, he's the director of this movie, too, and he actually developed the Limage animation process. Oh, wow. One more thing about the Ferris Bueller TV show that I just learned. Go ahead. Jennifer Aniston was in this? Yes. Yeah, I just said that. (laughs) Oh my, I didn't I didn't hear you. Oh my god. She played Ferris's sister. Oh my god. Anyway, where were we? So for my history with this movie, um funny enough, back in 2015, I was learning about it and I added it to my very 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 long list of movies, especially animated movies I would eventually check out because I was like, "Holy crap, this looks so cool." And I never did. And I'm so sad it took me this long, but I'm also so happy Ryan said Adjusted this for the podcast because holy crap, this was a trip in the best possible way. Absolutely. Mm. On one hand, I would really love for Lucasfilm to do more original animated films. On the other hand, that's also how we got Strange Magic. (laughs) (laughs) That existed. (laughs) Uh, Sure did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was a lot of fun. And I gotta say, I was actually confused for a while that it wasn't a sequel to a movie called Once Upon a Time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the heartbreaking thing about it is that the Lumage technology dies with this film. Yeah. Uh, like I said, the Sesame Street shorts were pretty much what got them to make the film and then the film ultimately going nowhere because the lad company kind of 
disintegrated and they couldn't even afford to give it a wide release. So they just could give it a short little limited release. And like I was going to say, um, John Cordy, who was the head director, um, he's sitting in the theater for the premiere. And then like the first things he hears, because it opens up on that scene where synonymous Bosch is uh, talking to the vultures after a really bitchin song by Bruce Hornsby, by the way, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Which as far as I know, has never gotten like an official release outside of a single. No. This soundtrack would like go back and forth from being like the most kick-ass eighties thing you've ever heard to like the most beautiful classical music ever. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack for this goes hard. And <laughs> Yeah, like the music during the Sweet Dreams segment paired up with the uh visuals was actually kind of getting me a little bit emotional. Aww. Mm-hmm. Also, hearing that intro with Paul Fries narrating it reminded yeah. me so much of the Rankin Bass specials, and I love that for it. But yeah, so John Cordy's sitting in the theater, and he hears that dialogue, and he turns to Bill Katera and goes, what the fuck? <laughs> because he wanted this to be a family film, and he was really, really angry because he just he inserted swears in it, and... One of my favorite things about learning about the trivia of this film. So uh, Katera uh, then makes a deal with HBO and HBO is in its infancy and he gives HBO the copies to the dirty version. (laughs) Cordy finds out about this and like calls HBO furious and tells them to like take it off the air and then gives them the clean cut. And then they air the clean cut and HBO receives complaints about censorship. Ah, good. (laughs) They predicted the 2020s. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. (laughs) Right. As somebody who's traumatized by the duck tits from Howard the Duck, come on, Lucasfilm. It's a few swear words, really, the end of the world. <laughs> we can we can just have straight up duck tits in our movie, but God forbid someone say shit. Yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, apparently this aired on Disney Channel in 1997. I did not know about this. Yeah, I know it wouldn't right. have been the Dirty Cup, but I really wish it would have been. <laughs> oh, yeah. that would be amazing. If someone just snuck that into the Disney Channel, imagine the look on Eisner's face. I mean, that was the same year they aired Under Wraps, which opens with a scene of somebody getting shoved into the freaking garbage disposal, so... Yeah, not just somebody, the fucking dad from Even Stevens. Yep! Yeah. <laughs> uh, one more quick note before we get into it. Um, I feel like something else that kind of hurt this film's chances was it was released the same summer as Return of the Jedi, so... Ooh! Mm. Another Lucas movie! Yep, and <laughs> which, given that this movie also turns 40 this year, it should have also gotten a re-release. It really should have. Yeah, yeah. it would have been so cool to see this on the big screen, but... Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I, I would Hollywood be there. Hollywood hates us, and so does Warner. 
Mm-hmm. Also, one more quick note from our Ryan tangent earlier. I was like, a Ryan and Lucasfilm. I wonder if the fan base will respond positively oh, no. to that. Oh, no. That's- <laughs> yeah. They certainly won't be bitching about it online almost seven years later. <laughs> All right, I'm getting the mallet. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> they should make like a years later sequel to this film where Ralph is just this bitter old animal living in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> also, he drinks from a cow's tits or something. I don't know. He turns himself into a cow and drinks his own tits. <laughs> <laughs> that gif is displayed everywhere by the worst people you know. Mm-hmm. But let's go to a movie that doesn't really have a crazy fan base, thankfully. (laughs) That we know of. Ah, Also, speaking of characters from Lucasfilm, this city is named Din. I wonder where I've heard that before. (laughs) Also, that's literally just like New York Cago. (laughs) (laughs) Or San Francisco. (laughs) Yeah. And so this movie opens up with some heavy dialogue about how the frivoly are the ones who create sweet dreams for everybody, and the Merc Dirks are the ones who create nightmares, but this one botch, who's basically like an animated version of George Costanza, is here to make everybody have nightmares with his Jungle Book vultures. Why? Who cares? <laughs> He's a dick to them the whole time. <laughs> oh, you lost some feathers. <laughs> Boy, you look funky when you're naked. But who cares? I got the spring. <laughs> oh, this is so bitchin'. We can make nightmares forever. <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> That's my favorite thing, just how much of a dick he is to yeah. the vultures. <laughs> he is such a funny character. Like, when he's, tell- when he's telling them about how most of you have girlfriends and daughters, I'm just like, oh, hey, this is what every person online who says, I have a daughter, I care about women, actually means. also you can just tell that the writers wanted to give synonymous bots the last name of a female dog but they held off on it oh absolutely (laughs) also as if the ratatouille thing wasn't enough there's also little purple creatures called figments of imagination yes the figs (laughs) wait actually hang on when did this come out again 83 83. same year mm-hmm. yes it is same fucking year homework. same fucking year and they're even controlled by a portly gentleman with a beard it all mm. comes yeah. together and they're <laughs> all purple <laughs> mm. i really love green sleeves design he was reminding me a lot of fiddle ford from gravity falls yeah and unfortunately he was going to be in more of the film but they cut a lot of his scenes out which uh-huh. is a shame yeah oh yeah oh yeah Apparently, in an alternate cut, they actually cut out his kidnapping at the beginning of the movie, and he actually meets with the main characters later on in a bar who urges the boys to get the MacGuffin of the movie. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. So that yeah. is really interesting. Which is a sprig from a clock, by the way. <laughs> the cosmic yes, clock. The cosmic clock. <laughs> yeah, this <laughs> cosmic clock that just hangs out in a store. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's a beautiful clock, but I kind of love the mundanity of that. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny. It's, it's kind of like how Walt Disney's frozen body is in Pirates of the Caribbean. 
if the frivoli are responsible for the sweet dreams and the Merc Dirks are responsible for the nightmares, who's responsible for those like in between dreams that aren't like sweet or nightmares but are just fucking weird? So sleep paralysis. <laughs> Yes, yes it is. <laughs> okay, what causes those dreams about having sex with people you do not want to have sex with? Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> what about the fucking dreams where it feels like you're falling and you actually feel it? Oh, God. I- oh, I actually know the scientific explanation behind that. Oh, yeah. It's because your heart rate slows down so much that your body kind of thinks you're dying. So, like, you know those like defibrillators they rub together they go clear and then they zap you mm-hmm. it's basically your body doing that to you oh wow <laughs> i've had that happen to me without the falling dreams it's weird <laughs> oh that's crazy yeah i hope that comforts you tonight when you have a falling dream it's because your body thinks you're dying <laughs> Yay. i'll never sleep again <laughs> <laughs> then i've done my job a character sending out a message telling the person who will save them that they're their only hope where have i seen that before in a lucasfilm property <laughs> i haven't the slightest idea it, it's like mm. the reverse of that it's like if obi-wan sent r2 to leia saying by the way i'm your only hope just just letting you know <laughs> also, I kind of love that Ralph and Mumford are kind of like the Han and Chewie of this movie, but in reverse. Like, Ralph is the Han and Mum is the Chewie, only he doesn't speak at all. <laughs> Ralph is like Chewie, but if he was played by Bill Murray. Huzzah. <laughs> it's here that I started to realize that there is definitely a heavy Jim Henson connection because Mumford and Ralph look like fucking Muppets. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And even in the scene where they're on trial and the farmer is up against them, yep, the, the farmer, farmer looks like fucking Beaker. He does. Yeah, he does look like Beaker. I called him Karen Beaker. <laughs> Beakerin. I mean, in all fairness, we do have that scene in the intro where the video gorilla is literally watching the Muppet show. The Muppets, yeah. She plays a picture of Miss Piggy, yeah. Ebor was probably my favorite character in the movie. I love that his whole shtick is basically Bumblebee in the Transformers movies where he uses, like, scenes from television to talk. Yes, I Mm love- that is, like, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Absolutely. I love that. And that was all done practically, which is insane. Absolutely. Wow, yeah, yeah. I definitely noticed, like, you know, a lot of black and white, because there's definitely a lot of photography use in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, I love Mumford's design being Charlie Chaplin. That's such a yes. cool design for him. He literally looks like fucking Mumford the Great from Sesame Street, too. <laughs> yeah, God, he does. <laughs> like a more orange version of him. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait a minute. I thought he kind of looked like Mr. Noodle. Are you saying that guy's like Mr. Noodle's grandpa? Oh my god, you're right. Sure, why not? Could be. <laughs> god damn it, Mr. Noodle. <laughs> I mean, Mr. Noodle is a mime, so... <laughs> oh my god, it's all connected. Woo! <laughs> so after they're banished to work in the garbage, they run into Flora Fauna, who is the girl in this movie. But they do give her <laughs> some fun stuff to do. We, we can have a little damsel in distress as a treat. Actually, I love that she's kind of a tongue-in-cheek damsel in distress. She's more so playing it up, and she does some stuff to rescue herself, so... Those are always the best kinds of damsels in distress. I don't see the point of having any other kind but that at this point. I'm a damsel. I'm in distress. I can handle this. Have a nice day. 
Those are just so good. She was reminding me of Dora Standpipe. Yeah. <laughs> I love that short. Absolutely. Yeah, sh- of all the uh, public domain Looney Tunes to ever become a meme, I'm so glad it was the Dover Boys. Correct. The Dover Boys. Then Dora must be alone and unprotected! Flora is great because she is so in her own world and <laughs> she's not, she's not really a damsel in distress. She's so obsessed with the idea of being an actress. She almost completely forgets about her mission to save her uncle Greensleeves. <laughs> <laughs> That's all she cares about is being an actress. She like has a full on temper tantrum about it. Laura, hold on. You can stay. Stay. You stay. You must. You must. I fucking love that. (laughs) I also love that she's just so happy to perform all these nightmare sequences. Like when she's Mm -hmm. tied to the railroad track. Yeah. She's just like, okay, when's my cue? Speaking of fucking Pixar ripoffs. Yes. Inside Out definitely got the idea for the Dream Studio from this movie, right? Oh, Not absolutely. only that, but Monsters, Inc.? Yeah. They oh take God. the oh, God, screens right. from these actors and use that to fill their nightmare bombs. That's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Energy crisis metaphor. I also love that none of them get even remotely suspicious about how Botch is this friend of Greensleeves. Oh, like. yeah. They just kind of immediately accept it. Mm-hmm. And, like, what's cool about this movie, though, is that nobody seems to know anything about anything. All they know is what they are and where they're at. So they don't know, really know that the Merc Works kind of exist because Bosch takes them to the Merc Works. And they don't know about time either, which is the one of the funniest scenes in the film where Bosch takes them to, like, a projection room. And he has to explain how time works. It, it, there's something that tells them that they don't have something. Yeah. And that there's a clock. It's a clock. And they watch it. They watch it. And it tells them. The time. That they don't have. That's simple, isn't it? Get it? Oh. <laughs> and that's just a great scene. Yeah, during this scene where Botch is giving them the tour, <laughs> he gives them like the tour of all these different rooms. And one of them is his stretched cat collection. Yeah. <laughs> Sure, why not? I don't know what a stretched cat collection is, and I'm too afraid to ask. (laughs) Me too. I feel like that's a metaphor for something I'm very concerned about. Botch, I do not want to stretch your cat. (laughs) No, Botch, I really don't want to see your used fleshlights at all. (laughs) (laughs) He does have that room full of salami for a reason, so... Oh my god! (laughs) Oh my! (laughs) (laughs) Also, I fucking love that all the vulture-like murk-dirts are basically named after Santa's reindeer, but also some random names are thrown in, like Vomit and Dennis. Yes! (laughs) Just Dennis. (laughs) Oh, Dennis! Did you miss me? In all fairness, like, compared to all the other Santa's reindeer, Rudolph is just a normal fucking name. (laughs) It really is! Oh my god! I mean, it is like having all these like cool names, and then there's like Paul. Although, then again, wasn't one of them named Nixon? <laughs> oh my yes, yes, one of them was named Nixon. Yeah, that must have been an awkward name to use after the seventies. <laughs> and then he ran for president, and he did all that stuff. Yay! Oh and he was on Futurama as a head. <laughs> and he's probably looking at Donald Trump from the grave going, oh, thank fucking God. <laughs> 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 fucking God. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who's the crook now? Also, I forgot to mention during the intro where green sleeves and the figments are all going around to people. It was reminding me so much of those sleep medication commercials. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you have like the little happy thing that follows you around, a little sad thing that follows you. Side effects may include diarrhea, vomiting, rashes, dying. <laughs> Side effects may include nightmares and the Merc Turks. <laughs> Call your doctor if you're experiencing botch. <laughs> yeah, in all fairness, synonymous botch does sound like a wild fucking side effect. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> if you experience homicidal thoughts, please call 911 immediately. It's too late and you are already infected. <laughs> <laughs> and so Ralph has these like Nimona like powers where he can just turn into any animal he wants. I was half expecting at one point he was just going to turn into like a chimpanzee and then just rip Botch apart. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he turns into an elephant. There you go, Wonderstands. <laughs> I like that they just call him an all-purpose animal instead of, like, a shapeshifter. That's just so much fucking funnier. It really Ralph, is. Ralph, the all-purpose animal. I can't say shapeshifter anymore. It's gonna be that now. <laughs> all-purpose <laughs> animal. Also, I know I said I would leave my Garfield jokes at the door, but, you know, this is the second time in 1983 that, you know... Lorenzo Music was playing an orange animal, so... Mm. Yeah, it was orange, too! <laughs> this is why, I'm sorry, I can't hold back on the Garfield jokes. I'm not strong enough. He never transforms into a full cat, though. Opportunity fucking wasted. Right. Right? Also, I love that there's one part of Botch's Nightmare Studio where he's like, some roles require partial nudity. And I was like, insert joke about Hut Slayer Leia here. <laughs> oh, God. Did anybody notice in the long shot during the uh, Nightmare Studio sequence that one of the nightmares was a hanging. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. That was dark. That took when me I was a kid, I've had nightmares about watching my family die on the Titanic. <laughs> I don't know why they taught that shit to me in third grade. <laughs> oh, so when I have nightmares about the Spectrum Men from Spectrum Magic, it's because of Synonymous Botch. Okay. Indeed. He just threw a bomb into your bedroom. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> also, the sequence where they're running around the city was so fucking cool. It was reminding me a lot of the Sledgehammer music video. Yes! Peter oh mm. Gabriel has, like, the best music videos. Fuck yes. If you haven't seen Steam or Big Time yet, what the fuck are you doing? Go watch that right now. Pause this. Go watch that. If you're driving and listening to this, pull over and watch them. Also, they're chasing this sprig all around and it ends up causing a time freeze. So I'm just like, oh my god, it turned into the Meanwhile episode of Futurama. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. We forgot to mention when they enter the cosmic clock. They try to get the spring, but they end up breaking the clock by yeah. messing yeah. with the lever that keeps reversing and making things go fast forward. So I'm assuming that in 2020, someone fucked with the cosmic clock. And that's <laughs> oh, why God. we have no concept of time anymore. That's why it was so long. <laughs> that's right. He basically turned the world into a YouTube poop. Yeah. <laughs> is that not what we're in right now? Basically. Even the sequences of all the frozen people look cool as hell, especially with mm. all the little animated stuff inserted in. Oh, yeah, like these weird, bizarre, like, cutouts that are all over the place. Yeah. Like, it's so surreal, and it's 
it's only something you could like have done in the 80s because nobody's going to be dare to be that strange and surreal anymore absolutely uh, it's, it's such a vibe <laughs> man oh. it's so cool and also somehow despite freezing half the world they're still able to summon a fairy godmother well mm. she is magic so maybe <laughs> literally a wizard did it Huzzah! Yay! I love that she gives them the dimes and they just manage to make a tiny little phone booth. Although it would have been so funny if she was like, you have to climb all the way up on the phone booth to reach it. She was definitely giving me Andrea Martin as Mrs. Falbo vibes. I could see Mm -hmm. that, yeah. And I love how fast she gives up on them, too. (laughs) (laughs) She had a really great dry sense of humor. I also love the part where she was like, I hate excess verbiage. Although I was like, then why are you in a Lucasfilm movie? (laughs) 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 Also, Botch saying, this is so bitching, will be in my head forever. (laughs) Oh, God. My favorite Botch line in this movie is definitely something I am going to be stealing. It's when he says the phrase, garlic breathing, garbage sucking dipshits. (laughs) (laughs) that is such a beautiful insult i am stealing that absolutely (laughs) i'm I'm so glad we watched the dirty version oh god same so is it fair to call rod rescueman the first himbo of lucasfilm uh yeah i think so i think it's very fair (laughs) there we go he's a little bit pushy though he's got to tone it down yeah i mean he was really funny though he had some yeah Really great moment. (laughs) Does she give lip on the first date? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Then I also fucking love that he's just gets so excited hearing about a damsel in distress. He's like, those are my meat and potatoes. He is just (laughs) super horny. That's all he is. And he sucks at protecting her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So when he tries to save her, they're in the middle of filming this King Kong-esque nightmare sequence. And I'm thinking to myself, damn it, we already reviewed the Mighty Kong. (laughs) <laughs> oh, not this shit again. That gorilla was reminding me so much of the gorilla from SpongeBob, and that scared the shit out of me as a kid, so I don't even want to imagine how that would have affected child me. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. It was so fucking surreal seeing like a live action guy in a gorilla suit just on SpongeBob beating the shit out of everybody. <laughs> I remember watching that episode in real time when it came out, and I wasn't terrified of it, but I was still, like, confused. It was definitely something I couldn't fucking look away from. I I was just so intrigued. I I was just like, like, the family at the end, that was my reaction when I first saw it. It just left me heavily unsettled. (laughs) Uh, then i gotta wonder how ebor reacts to that gorilla like is he offended by its existence (laughs) as long as it doesn't have a video on its uh head it's it's fine it's fine there we go (laughs) also i'm glad that nobody in the nightmares he produces actually dies thank god yeah (laughs) i was kind of expecting that was where they were gonna go Especially considering one of them is a fucking plane crash. (laughs) He's only synonymous Butch. He's not Freddy (laughs) Krueger. Actually, I gotta wonder. So he has the most extreme scenarios for people's nightmares. But what happens to those people whose biggest nightmare is being at work or being back in their parents' (laughs) house? Like, Oh, jeez. 
those those dreams I have where I'm at work and I'm like I'm trying to sleep to be away from work and here I am dreaming of work and you're just <laughs> like I can't fucking get a break. <laughs> <laughs> Quick random thought and then I'll then we'll get back on track. I had a dream last night involving John Cena being hired at my job, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where yeah. to classify. Is that a that. nightmare or <laughs> uh, I guess it depends on your opinion of John Cena. <laughs> the theme music just randomly plays every time he walks in or he turns into <laughs> peacemaker like here's your workers' compensation. It's American. <laughs> so anyway, so Hi, Kippy. What is Kippy your dream about? I don't know, but he sure twitches his legs a lot. Oh, good boy. Uh, can we talk about the uh, nightmare sequence in the office? <gasps> yeah. Oh, God. Oh, yes. <laughs> the that was fucking metal. That was fucking uh, cool. Oh, live action gosh. smoke actually unsettled me. That was like yeah. one of the few moving live action elements in this movie. And all of that, the, the nightmare sequence, the the smoke and the, the ink, that's all. Wouldn't you be surprised to know that was Henry Selleck? Yes! Oh, yes! yes. Fuck yes, King! <laughs> Love that guy! Mm-hmm. Also, didn't a young David Fincher work on this movie? Yes, at oh, 17 wow. years yeah. old. Holy and fuck. And him and Henry Selleck worked on the ink stuff. And they were in like this really hot room with an aquarium. And they oh, got like wow. so fed up with each other. They got into a fist fight at one point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, like I said, the behind the scenes stories of this film, are just, it's just insane. They need to make a commentary for this movie because holy crap. There is a commentary. On the DVD, there is a DVD commentary, and Henry Selleck is on the commentary, and a lot of it is them (laughs) turning to Henry Selleck and going, how the hell did you do that? Yeah, <laughs> so much. If there were some points where I wasn't taking a lot of notes in this movie, it was just because I was so invested in this movie. Like, this mm-hmm. is a movie you have to experience. Holy crap. But the craziest thing about the nightmare sequence is that in an alternate version of it, originally Mum was going to be shredded Holy- in the paper shredder. Oh what my the god? Fuck? What about my shredder? Ralph would spend the next five minutes searching through the world, and then he would go into this pilot's brain, and he would go through the pilot's memories. Oh, God! He would find Mom reassembled in a piece of paper that was a child's drawing. How strange (laughs) is that? (laughs) Wait, so was this actually filmed? No, it wasn't film. It wasn't animated. Oh, this was God. apparently storyboarded, but it was never done. <laughs> what the fuck? Well, they ran out of money, so they had to end the nightmare sequence where it ended instead. They probably didn't want the kids to get more traumatized. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, stupid child psychologists making the kids' movie not traumatize them. Besides, some of the scenes that were involving scenes of, like, bones and such were reminding me of this really disturbing short film on YouTube called Henry Eats. I wonder if this film influenced that film. Don't look that up if you're sensitive to gore, by the way, because it's pretty mushy, but... I think my favorite scene of Rod is the scene where he's like, I'm on it. And then he just smacks right into the drawbridge and then it falls and goes back up. It's like (laughs) an attempt was made. 
<laughs> also, we stand Flora when Ebor grabs her and is bringing her around when she starts ripping apart his wires. I was like, yes, stand up for yourself, queen. Yeah. I mean, technically that counts as animal cruelty, but... Eh. He's a robot. The 80s. I also love that Botch's name for the button is just the big red one. That won't set off any red flags. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Uh, We got some of the best media when we were terrified the USSR was going to nuke us any second. I have access to the nuclear codes. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I I realize we haven't talked about Scuzzbopper yet, the writer of the Nightmare Realm. And... (laughs) He gets fucking hung in one of the nightmare sequences. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> that was dark. Okay, so what happens is, like, Bosch completely, like, ignores him. My favorite line, of course, is that Flora is meeting Scuzzbopper, and she's like, Who's that? Scuzzbopper, he's nothing. A writer. And it's like, well, isn't oh. that the studios right now? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Who are you going to call? Scuzzbopper. <laughs> and funny enough, Lorenzo Music also voiced Venkman in the Ghostbusters animated series, so it all ties back. Mm. Yay! All <laughs> connected, man! Also, I feel like to a degree, Scuzzbopper was kind of the Jar Jar of this movie, but similar to the brownies from Willow, they do a really funny job with him, so he doesn't annoy mm-hmm. me nearly as much. Yeah, he's like writing this novel like on this really cool typewriter contraption that is so big he has to use mallets to write it. Yeah, that was great. And then, like, and then Botch just throws it out the window, and <laughs> Scuzzbopper calls him an asshole, um, which is great. That was fucking beautiful. No, that's the thing. Scuzzbopper is literally Gonzo. That's yes, right. he is. Oh my god, literally fucking Gonzo coded. Uh, he has he has a very similar voice to early Gonzo as well. So yeah, that's what yeah, yeah like same voice. Semi frivoly, bright frivoly. Bad for your eyes. You hate it. You never go there. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, I will eat this rubber tire to the music of the flight of the bumblebee. Oh no, that means I'm last, asshole. <laughs> 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 also i felt so bad for mom throughout this movie he gets so much of the short end of the shtick yeah <laughs> he does <laughs> speak uh, up for yourself dude yeah. uh, he, he can't <laughs> he can't all he does is make random sounds maybe he's it's like jack and daxter where it's like you know in the first game he's mute and then in the second game he's like fucking yelling at people i would have fucking loved if he was the one who drops the one f-bomb in the movie like just <laughs> fuck. silent bob this shit <laughs> We're going to get Mum 2 and he's going to start talking and it's going to be super dark and gritty and separated from the original game. And it's going to be the hardest fucking game you've ever played in your goddamn <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, I, I have words for Jack 2. <laughs> Huzzah. And so then the bomb turns out to be Mumford. He basically stretches his hat out of himself and uses a cigar to simulate nightmare smoke and trick botch into thinking the bomb is going off. <laughs> mm, yeah so in the end he got a w mm-hmm. yeah as he deserves and not to mention the vultures take botch away and basically give him hell for the treatment of them so they probably just fucking killed him this yeah. is their yub nub <laughs> i love that for them literally just tore him to shreds 
it's it's literally the the ending of the Lion King. Also, during the scene where where Flora's just giving kisses to everybody, Rod's like, "Can I have a kiss?" And she's like, "You're too tall." So then he just <laughs> jumps right into the ground. <laughs> you gotta love the dedication. Fucking simp. <laughs> Relatable. Also, I gotta wonder, if those figments are so powerful to create people's dreams, how can't they escape a piece of wood? Like, that cork couldn't have been that heavy. Uh, something, something, the aliens from Signs. Signs, I was gonna- It's similar to how a tiny hole in the Death Star will destroy the entire thing, I guess. What the? A banana my tailpipe? Seriously? Alright, so step one, get a tinfoil hat. Step two, be walking Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> something else i forgot to mention during the scene where ebor kidnaps flora i also love that he just plays the clip of indy saying trust me like yeah, that, oh it must have been so that. great for that tv gorilla that they had like full access to the lucas films library mm-hmm. and they managed to get the darth vader scene so <laughs> yes we had to have it is it a lucas film without a star wars reference <laughs> or it's similar to Muppet Babies, where they can use the literal stock footage. Muppet Babies was allowed to use Marvel characters. Very Imagine cool. if they had that. T- they do have that today. Yes. Oh, oh, Back shit. when everything wasn't owned by Disney. What a da 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 da. And so then the movie ends with them basically going off and then we finally see all the people in actual motion again. Yeah, I love that, you know, they they basically use the clock being broken as an excuse to just use stock images for most of the movie. Agreed. It was... eh, they do it good. <laughs> oh, another botch line I also love and will live rent free in my head. Leave the ball alone. It's ugly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Ebor's death when he plays the "That's All, folks" That's music. All folks. That was yeah. yes. <laughs> oh man, imagine having access to both Warner and Lucas films. Oh my god. <laughs> oh god, David Zaslav has this. <laughs> also, when Ralph said said we've been fired by a fairy, I was like, fired by a fairy coming to ABC this fall. <laughs> also during the scene where mom was getting his head bitten by the venus fly trap i was like a lucasfilm production from 1983 where a plant eats someone that's okay i'll stop <laughs> <laughs> uh one last thing i do have to say about this film is that you have two worlds you have frivoly which is bright colorful and you have the merc works which is very dark, very desaturated, and is f- super obsessed with uh, throwing bombs all over the place. This is the original Barbenheimer. Yes! <laughs> oh my god, you're right. <laughs> and also, man, the colors in this movie as well look fantastic. Like, oh. oh, this is some of the best color palette I've seen in an animated film. Again, it's all just very Mary Blairish. Yeah, it's so gorgeous, the way that the textures change with every movement they do, and that's like a side effect of the Lumage, and like some of the coolest shots where like in the beginning, there's this shot where they move under this train trestle, and it's a real train trestle that is like Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah. They actually have this real camera go under this trestle into the Lumage painting. It's just some of the coolest imagery you'll ever see. 
absolutely. Apparently, footage from this movie was actually used in, of all things, Madoka Magica. Oh, oh wow. That actually feels fitting, especially given some of the sequences in that show. <laughs> I need to watch more anime. Huzzah. So I think our answer is obvious, but all right, Ryan, do you give this a keep the tapes, put in the donation box, or burn the tapes? Oh, absolutely keep the tapes. I will treasure the tapes forever. Hell yes. Uh, And uh, right now it's sitting on my DVD shelf. I mean, I wish I had the VHS, but uh, it is on my DVD shelf very proudly, and I'm, I'm never giving it up for sure. Well deserved, man. Well, well deserved. It's definitely a keep mm-hmm. the tapes for me. It's just a beautiful movie with beautiful visuals and just very, very inventive and creative stuff going on in here. And it is a shame that it's not as well known as other Lucasfilm properties, quite frankly. Absolutely. It is, yes. Big ol' keep the tapes from me as well. Not just for archive purposes, but because I really want Disney to look at this and realize maybe we should let Lucasfilm do some original stuff as well. Because they're going to be running through all their properties and they're going to eventually say, yeah, we should probably give them something else to invest in for a while. Because Star Wars can only hold the fountain for so long. And even minus that, this film is just fantastic. Really underrated and really deserving of more attention. No, yeah, definitely keep the tapes for me. This is just one of the coolest movies I've ever seen. This is like, I love the style. I love the music. I love everything about it. I love how kind of confusing it is, too. It's like, it's perfect. I love it. (laughs) Damn straight. As another Lucasfilm character said, That belongs in a museum. It does. And if Zaslav tries fucking anything, (laughs) I will redact it. I propose that uh, we give Zaslav next to the Merc Dirks just so they can rip him apart. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and can we note that this is currently on the Internet Archive if anybody wants to watch it? Yeah. Uh, they have uh, one of those DVD reps. Shh, don't, don't, don't tell David. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, it's on the Internet Archive. Definitely check it out. It's super worth your time. And it's, it's actually really short. So it won't take up too much of your time. And it's an absolute joy. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so, so much for joining us again. Oh, yeah. This was a delight, even if it didn't have a revived brain turning everybody in his life into the 60s. (laughs) (laughs) I wish. (laughs) Do you have anything you want to plug? Yeah, um, so I have my podcast, which is Unbuilt, an unrealized theme park podcast, where we examine unrealized ideas in theme park history from Disney, Universal, and beyond. Hey, I was on that show. Yes, you were, and you were on the show to talk about Tomorrowland 2055, so definitely check that out. So um, by now, our episode about unbuilt Mary Poppins attractions with a guest, I think you all know, a Mr. Tony Goldmark yes! will be yes! out. Yes! Yeah. I uh, will- Hi, Tony! <laughs> so glad you uh, got him. Yeah, will be out. Uh, and after that, unfortunately, we're going on a bit of a hiatus. I have a vacation to go on. But hey. uh, you can check that out. And previous episodes uh, should be out already. Uh, it is such a great episode. And you got to check the one that Tyler was on as well. Uh, it is fantastic. 
Yes. Absolutely. So because I am officially making the migration, you can find me on Mission Breakout on Blue Sky and Hive, because at this point, Twitter is basically dead. You can find me Mission Breakout on Discord, and you can find me having a nightmare about the Clone Wars animated movie. Yay! <laughs> Truman Capote the Hut. That is all. <laughs> Um, you can find me at Cosmic Rewind, place the E with the three on Twitter. Um, please mass report me. I'm trying to get suspended. I'm not leaving. (laughs) (laughs) I'll try my best. I'm not moving to Blue Sky until I get suspended. So, um, you can also find me on YouTube by the same name. Get me off a shitter. (laughs) (laughs) All right. You can find me on the usual spots. Tyler FG on Blue Sky, Tyler FG96 on Instagram. All right, as for the show, you can find us on Blue Sky at Channel KRT. You can also find us on Instagram at Channel KRT Podcast, all one word. And we also have our Discord server and our Facebook group, which you can find in the link tree in our Blue Sky bio. And if you want to help support us, you can also check us out on Patreon, where we have exclusive minisodes, outtakes, and episodes of this very podcast at its earliest convenience. And we're also on Ko-Fi, where we have mini-sodes and outtakes available for $5 a pop. And of course, thank you to our pals Paul Spicknall, Tony Goldmark, Ashley Hines, and Chris Rainer for pledging to us at the $10 level. And a huge thank you to our executive producers, Gomer and Mike. All right, Channel KRT, Nightmare Bomb to Static. Yeah. <laughs> or, or that Sprig freezes our podcast permanently. A second nightmare bomb has hit him. Yes! (laughs) Well, dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange.